When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Hello, friends, and welcome into this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, as always, of course, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay, we are about nine hours from puck drop for the Chicago Blackhawks and Las Vegas Golden Knights. Facing off in the first round of the NHL playoffs, the real first round, that is. I'm feeling a little bit nervous. I'm feeling a little bit anxious. I'm ready for playoff hockey to get underway. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing okay right now, and I'm not sure if that's going to continue <laughs> as today goes on. I was on the score last night with Joe Ostrowski, and he was asking me about it, and I said, you know, I don't have a lot of confidence in this series, and I'm sort of trying to approach this with the mindset of everything we get from here on out is gravy, right? No one expected the Hawks to be here. They're well overmatched against Vegas. So I, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get frustrated. But I know as soon as the puck drops and as soon as there's a turnover, I'm going to get mad. I'm going to get frustrated. It's going to be cry, barf, die time the entire series. Uh, but I'm here for it, man. I welcome it. I'm excited about it. And uh, at the very least, we get four more hockey games to talk about. Hopefully it's more than that. And uh, we'll be there for you for all of them. So hit us up, madhousepod at gmail.com or on Facebook at madhousehockeychi, Twitter at Madhouse Pod, and we're on Instagram at Madhouse underscore pod. If you've not checked out our Instagram yet, make sure you do. We're putting lots of content up on there uh, on a daily and weekly basis, so it's a lot more active. There's a lot more to do and see on our Instagram page. I've really committed to making that something worthwhile, so check that out. So let's get right into it, man. Uh, Hawks and Golden Knights dropped the puck. The Golden Knights just announced right before we started recording this podcast that Robin Leonard will indeed be the starting goalie, and I'll just say this. Um, the narrative that the Blackhawks let the better goalie go and now it's going to come back and bite him in the ass is severely overblown. Uh, when you really look at the numbers, Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard had very similar seasons. Safe percentage difference was like .001. Corey Crawford actually had a better goals against average uh, when compared to Robin Leonard's time in Chicago. I, I think that it's an interesting story. 
because Robin Leonard was a Hawk earlier this year, but the whole like, oh, the Hawks are going to have egg on their face now. I don't know if I'm buying that story. Yeah, I would kind of be inclined to agree with you, Jay. I think that we, obviously, during the course of the season, I felt like we really saw the Blackhawks obviously probably wrestling with the decision on what they were going to do in net. I think that ultimately they decided that they didn't want to re-sign Robin Leonard at the price that he was probably going to command on the open market, decided that they were going to try to get something for him at the trade deadline as opposed to letting him go for nothing in the offseason. And honestly, it's not like it's like you said, it's not like they were really separated by that much in terms of their statistics when they were both uh, sharing the net in Chicago. And it's I, I don't think that the Blackhawks committed some egregious error in allowing Robin Leonard to escape from their clutches or whatever you want to say. I, I think that what they ended up just deciding to do was they tried to get something for an asset that they were going to lose at the end of the season anyway. And, you know, this second chance at life in these uh, NHL playoffs and qualifying rounds or whatever you want to call it, I feel like the Blackhawks, they shouldn't feel like, oh, you know, this came back to bite us in the ass. Like, that's entirely the wrong way to look at it. And it's not like I look at Robin Leonard and go, boy, howdy, that's a guy that's just going to dominate. And the Blackhawks were so stupid to let him go. I'm really not, I'm not feeling that way at all. And I think that the way the Blackhawks have been approaching this whole situation during the days leading up to this series has been really good. They're refusing to kind of get like baited into that us versus Leonard narrative that so many of the, you know, folks covering the series are kind of wanting to stir. And I've found that to be very interesting because I kind of feel the same way. It's not just about Robin Leonard. It's about that entire Vegas squad and how deep and how talented they are. And I'm glad that the Blackhawks focus seems to be on that instead of some rivalry between Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford. Well, and that's the thing. Vegas is absolutely stacked. This is the best team. I think probably as at this moment, probably the best team in a Western conference. If you look at some of their underlying numbers, uh, they're tops in the league in a lot of important categories. Uh, we're going to get to that in a second, but their shooting percentage and their PDO is pretty low as a team. So you hope that that can sort of maintain itself through the season because the Golden Knights are a possession monster. They drive possession better than most teams in the league. And the problem with that is the Hawks are not good at suppressing it. This is from Char Charlie Romeliotis's preview this morning. The Golden Knights rank number one this season in a variety of offensive categories at even strength. Shot attempts from the slot. Shots on goal from the slot, expected goals per 60, scoring chances 4 per 60, high danger chances per 60. Conversely, the Blackhawks rank 31st in those same five defensive categories. So shot attempts from the slot against, shots on goal from the slot against, expected goals against per 60, scoring chances against per 60, and high danger chances against per 60. The Hawks are the worst in league. So you have literally the best versus the worst in this playoff matchup. Now, mm -hmm. there are a couple things that we have to acknowledge when we look at those numbers. For a lot of the season, the Blackhawks were banged up. They didn't have their full defensive core playing. Uh, some guys were playing at different levels. Some guys were playing hurt. That's It's it's different, So, you, but just looking at the big picture of the entire season, that's how the matchup looks, and I feel like when you're frustrated about this series, it's not going to be because Robin Leonard's standing on his head it's going to be that the Hawks cannot get the puck away from the Knights. And I feel mm. like we're going to see the Harlem Globetrotter Golden Knights often in this series, and that's what scares me most. Yeah, and I think that you 
you definitely hit on some really good points there. And I think what really is going to differentiate this between uh, between this and the Oilers series is just like how much deeper the Golden Knights really are when you look at their uh, scoring. I mean, look, when they were playing the Oilers, it was basically the McDavid and Dreisaitl show, which is kind of what we had expected. There weren't really a lot of guys outside of those two that were able to kind of step up and shoulder some of that scoring burden. But when you look at the Knights roster, I mean, you just go down, you look at guys like Max Pacioretty, you look at Mark Stone, Riley Smith, Shea Theodore, William Carlson, Paul Stastny, Nate Schmidt, like so many guys on that team can put the puck in the net and they are able to move the puck around extremely effectively. And then you add Add in the fact that they do have a really solid goaltending tandem in Mark Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard. This this team is not full of like you know just two superstars and then a bunch of dudes. This is a team that can roll three and four lines against you. And the Blackhawks, if we're being honest with ourselves, I don't know if they have the horses to really keep up with that. I know that some of the younger players on the team, like your Kirby Docs and your Dominic Kubaliks, have really been able to step up so far in this uh, postseason, but at the same time, I just don't see a scenario in which they can keep up with that depth, and so they're going to have to come up with some more creative ways to kind of flummox the Knights and to kind of make them play a game that really doesn't suit them. And that's going to be really difficult, and it's going to pose a really interesting and unique coaching challenge to Jeremy Colleton. Yes, and this is what, you know, as we were, were, you know, before hockey returned, we're watching these old Blackhawks Stanley Cup runs, and what stands out watching those teams is their depth, is the fact that they could roll four deep, and every matchup was a tough matchup for the opponent. That was the difference between those cup-winning teams and these lesser teams. The stars have always been there at varying levels of success, but Patrick Kane's as good now as he's ever been. Jonathan Taze has had a rebirth, you know. Uh, you lose Hosa, that's huge, obviously. But the depth is what made those teams so great, and that's what Vegas has. And I think when I look at the entirety of these playoffs, when I'm sort of trying to predict what's going to go forward, it's hard for me to see a team taking down the Golden Knights. I think some teams can give them fits. I think the Blackhawks are among them. But when I look at the entire package of a Stanley Cup team, and Chicago fans have good experience with that. We've seen what Stanley Cup depth looks like. The Vegas Golden Knights are right there, and while they don't have the Kane and Taves and Hosa-type talent, they've got a lot of guys who are very good, who are probably a little bit underrated. Like Mark mm-hmm. Stone is an awesome hockey player. He is a darling of the stat wonks. He is a possession driver. Uh, it just He just hasn't played in very high-profile places yet. Uh, this playoff is going to be a big stage for him, and I expect him to do big things, and I think that's going to be the guy more than anybody that the Hawks are going to have trouble containing. And and I do want to say that there are a couple of areas that I'm really curious to kind of see how Vegas stacks up. Like, I know I mentioned Max Pacioretty when I was talking about this team's depth. Just remember, he did not participate in the round robin. So he's coming into these playoffs. He's coming off, I believe it was a leg injury that had kept him out of some practices and then ultimately out of the round robin. I'm really interested to see whether there's a rust factor there with him, like if he's going to take a couple of games to get up to speed. And if that's the case, obviously the Blackhawks have to be able to take advantage of that because then that's one less significant offensive weapon that the Golden Knights are going to have. The second thing that I'm really interested to see is whether or not the Golden Knights are going to have any carryover effect from the round robin kind of being not as – 
I would say that the competition, I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, Jay, but from what I observed, the competition in the round robin format was pretty lacking. Like it seemed very exhibition-y, very like install your game plan, kind of like skate it probably three quarters. Like just, it wasn't very, like with a few exceptions, obviously the Philadelphia Flyers came out and they were playing like crazy every single game. But I just, I had noticed throughout that round robin that it felt like a lot of the teams weren't necessarily going full guns blazing the way that the Blackhawks had to do in order to take on the Edmonton Oilers. And that's to me, something that I'm very curious to see moving forward, whether that benefits the Blackhawks early in the series and allows them to score an upset and to potentially like set some momentum for this thing. And then finally, the last thing that I'm really interested to see with Vegas is whether or not their penalty kill is as bad as the numbers indicate that it is. I know we just came off a series where the Edmonton Oilers had one of the league's best penalty kills and had the league's best power play. When you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, though, they're in kind of like the top. They are in the top 10 in power play. They obviously have a lot of offensive talent, can move the puck around really well, but their penalty kill is the worst among the teams that are still left in these playoffs. And I'm really interested to see whether or not the progress that the Blackhawks seem to make on the power play in games one and four of the Edmonton series can carry over and give them maybe a little bit of an edge if NHL officials are going to continue to call penalties the way that they did in those opening round games. Because if that's the case, the Blackhawks could have some really good scoring opportunities against a Vegas penalty kill that wasn't really good during Mm -hmm. the 2019-2020 season. Well, and that's, you know, we've talked about this a lot where a power play special teams can be the equalizer for a mismatch, right? And if the Blackhawks power play can look like you said in game one, like it did in game one or game four, they're going to score some goals. They've obviously got the firepower. They've got forwards that can put the puck in the net. And another thing is you've not had Patrick Kane playing Patrick Kane level hockey yet. You know, they didn't show up much in the Edmonton series. The same can be said for Alex to Kirby doc played well, but didn't convert on his scoring chances. If they can, these guys can start putting the puck in the net. They're going to be okay. Like that's why I don't think it's going to be a total blowout. Um, the the other thing about it is, uh, you know, the, the 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 Knights don't have, while they're deeper than Edmonton and better than Edmonton, they don't have that dude like Connor McDavid who was like, I'm scoring now, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's truly how Connor McDavid plays. If he wants to take the puck from you, skate the other end, blow past you, blow past two defensemen, and roof a backhander over the goalie, he's going to do it. He can do it. It's seemingly at will. Vegas doesn't have that kind of guy. And and when you look at the way the Hawks played the Oilers, again, qualifying it, Vegas is not a deep team like the Oilers were. Or the opposite, I'm sorry. I was going to say, (laughs) yeah. yeah. (laughs) Edmonton's not the deep team that Vegas is. But aside from McDavid and Drysaddle, no one did much of anything for Edmonton. So without the high-end speed of McDavid, without the high-end uh, scoring ability of Dreisaitl, I'm really interested to see how game one is going to look. And I think your point of the Hawks have already played around to playoff hockey while Vegas has sort of glided in here. Uh, and they played very well in the preliminary round, no doubt about it, in a round robin. But maybe, at least early in the series, at least early in game one, maybe that gives the Hawks a bit of an edge that they've already found that intensity level while Vegas may still be looking for it. I did. That does bring up an interesting question, then. If you do have a guy like Connor McDavid or a Leon Dreisaitl who has enough speed to kind of you know, blow your defenseman out of the water in the defensive side of the ice, 
I don't think Vegas really plays that type of game. It feels like they play a more balanced type of game. Is that something that could potentially work against the Blackhawks, who seem to do a little bit better when their defensemen are activating and are trying to move the puck up the ice quickly? Is that something that would concern you about this matchup in particular for Chicago? I don't know, because I think part of the fear with activating with the Oilers was the fear of the speed and that they wouldn't have they wouldn't be able to get back and catch those guys, right? But we still saw, you know, Boquist at times, Slater Cuckoo pinching in, even like Holy Mata you would see, and Calvin DeHaan a time or two, behind the opponent's net, pinching in and activating. And if they have the nerve to do that against Edmonton, who, yes, while they don't have the depth of Vegas, they've got a lot of dudes with a ton of speed. It's not just McDavid. It's not just Drysdale, but Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, uh, Yamamoto. They've got a lot of guys who can skate and skate with authority and can and can burn you the other way. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't see them holding back their defensemen from getting in, engaged. That's how they play. They've got to play their system. I think if they stray from what they do well, that's going to be a problem for them. They've got to just play their game and, and hope it goes the way, you know, and hope it works out. Because if you're going to try to adapt the way you play against I, of course, you make strategic adjustments based on your opponent, but you can't go scrap your entire system, the system that got you to beat Edmonton, and just try something new. I think the Hawks are at their best when their defense is involved. And yeah, they're going to give up some goals. They're going to give up some odd man chances. But what's going to keep the Hawks in this series is their ability to put the puck in the net themselves so they can't do anything to sort of minimize uh, those chances. They've got to, I think they have to attack. I think that's their best plan. And that's why, exactly why, if they stick to that attacking plan, which I think there is plenty of logical reasons for them to do that, that's that makes it even more important that Corey Crawford comes back and plays the way that he did in Game 4 of the Edmonton series. Because if he's going to play like he did in Games 1 and 2, where he just looked extremely rusty, not very effective, looked like he kind of lost the puck even at times during those games, if he's going to play like that, this series is going to be over very quickly. I, mm -hmm. the black, I know... It's so easy to say this, and it's something that every analyst is going to say at one point or another, but goaltenders can steal series in the NHL playoffs, but it is especially critical for the Blackhawks with their defensive liability issues that they do have and the fact that they have to activate the defense so much to get their offense going it's even more imperative that Corey Crawford plays at a high level and kind of captures what he was able to do in game four of the Edmonton series. And I think that for all the talk that's been kind of going into how, you know, deep Vegas is and how good their goaltending is, I think for the Blackhawks, one of the biggest and most important keys is simply going to be to get Corey Crawford to play at as high a level as he possibly can, because if he plays middling to poorly, they have zero chance yeah, of winning over. this series. No shot. No shot if he doesn't play good to very good. And let me ask you this, James, on the topic of Corey Crawford, and not to keep feeding this narrative, but Crawford does not strike me as the guy who takes things very personally. He's kind of quiet, doesn't get involved with like uh, trash talk or anything. Mm. But I think Corey Crawford realizes how underappreciated he is. I wonder if he's using this series as a motivation to say, I'm going to show these Hawks fans who fell in love with Robin Leonard after two quarters, you know, two thirds of a season, they're ready to sign him long-term. They're ready to carry him down Michigan Avenue, all these things. When Crawford's been one of the best, he's on the, at very least he's on the Mount Rushmore of Chicago Blackhawks goaltending, right? With no love, with no respect. Maybe Corey Crawford uses this opportunity to, 
shine and to show people, look, I still got it. I can still be a starter in this league, and I'm the one, Chicago, that you should love. Not Robin Leonard, not Scott Darling, not Antti Ranta, not goalie after goalie after goalie that you preferred over me, despite all the evidence that I was one of the elite goalies in the history of the franchise. I'm going with a really deep cut here for a comparison to the way I think that Corey Crawford approaches challenges. In the movie Avengers Age of Ultron, there's a scene where Iron Man, played by Robert Downey, of course, is punching the absolute crap out of the Hulk and giving him everything he can get. And all the Hulk does is spit out a tooth and glare at Iron Man and then starts beating the crap out of him. That, to me, Corey Crawford is the Hulk. I feel like every time... He gets hit, whether it was that Nashville series in 2015, whether it was the bad game against Minnesota in the second round of the 2013 playoffs. Whenever he faces an obstacle like that and he is challenged, it feels like he's the type of guy that's just going to spit out a tooth and come roaring back at you. It feels like he feeds on that type of adversity and he snaps into this mode that makes him one of the better playoff goaltenders in the NHL in the last decade. And I feel like... Maybe something in the Edmonton series happened that maybe triggered that, or perhaps it is the fact that Robin Leonard was viewed as this like heir apparent, they're going to sign him to a big contract in the offseason kind of guy. Maybe that kind of motivation, he's never going to say it publicly. Corey Crawford is a very quiet guy, but it does feel like he has that monster within him that feeds on that adversity and feeds on that challenge. And I would very much think that something like the Robin Leonard situation <laughs> could easily trigger that and could cause him to go on the type of run that we've seen him go on in the past. Well, how about this? Not only his response to a poor game or a poor series here and there, how about the potential career-ending concussions? How about the fact that he had COVID-19 two months ago? Corey Crawford, see, and this is another thing, and I, I didn't want to get into this topic today, but damn it, we're going to do it. What The thing that bugs me about Crawford is everything that Chicago fans claim to love about a player, right, goes about their business, plays hurt, acts like he's been there before, isn't a me guy, he's a team guy. Corey Crawford is all of those effing things. And for whatever reason, because Pierre Maguire painted a narrative back in 2013 that Corey Crawford sucked, the entire city, using hyperbole, of course, has glommed onto this narrative that Corey Crawford's no good and the Hawks win in spite of him. Look at the evidence. Mark Lazarus wrote it the other day, is Corey Crawford the best goalie in Blackhawks franchise history? And of course, you can never... You can never completely answer that question because of errors, because of all those things, but he's right there. Uh, and if you still are not a Corey Crawford believer, find that piece by Mark Lazarus in The Athletic and read it and just see how he compares to Esposito and Hall and Belfour and all those great goalies that the Blackhawks have had in their history. Well, it's, it's basically like, who's the least popular athlete in Chicago? It's the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Who's the <laughs> yeah. most popular athlete in Chicago? It's the Bears' backup quarterback, and it always seems to be that way. It feels like... And I, this is not unique to Chicago. I am going to point that out. I just I feel like the a guy like Corey Crawford who isn't bombastic and isn't always kind of the center of attention, and if we're being honest with ourselves, Robin Leonard was very outspoken and I think endeared himself to a lot of Blackhawks fans with how accessible and what a good quote he was while he was in Chicago. I feel like since Corey Crawford doesn't have that personality, I feel like it works against him in terms of his popularity and his appreciation in the city. And I really hope that Blackhawks fans can take a good 
long look at Crawford and realize that if he's not the best goaltender in Blackhawks history, he's real damn close. And when you're able to compete like that with a guy like a Tony Esposito and a Glenn Hall, that speaks a lot to how good of a freaking goaltender you are. And I really hope that Blackhawks fans can kind of remember that the next time they're like, oh, maybe we can uh, you know, see what we can do in the offseason for another goaltender. Don't take his time here in Chicago for granted. I think that's ultimately what we're coming up with. And again, I really do feel like he he has the potential, he has the ability to really turn some adversity into a really good motivator and play a really good series against Vegas, and that will definitely give the Blackhawks a better chance at pulling off what would be a remarkable upset. All right, let's take a quick timeout. When we come back, James and I are going to give our series predictions and tie a bow on this thing. Before we do, I want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports, out there in Mokina, they're making the jerseys, they're making the shirts for sports teams, but at the same time, they're churning out masks. Send an email, chris at triplethreadsports.com or call 708-478-6090. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it, including masks. And of course, our friends at Marishka's out in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, family owned and operated since 1933. Go get yourself a poor boy. Go get yourself some steaks, some seafood, some craft beer. Everything at Marishka's is terrific. The experience shows, the family commitment to greatness shows, Marishka's Crest Hill, 604 Theater Street. Go to marishkas.com. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. Predictions coming up next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. It is game day. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast ahead of tonight's game again apologies for not getting one out last night but we had no power no internet that makes it very difficult to do a podcast so uh thank you for tuning in before we get to our predictions want to shout out our other two sponsors fry the coop fry the coop.com the best damn hot chicken you'll ever have they're in west town they're uh in oak lawn they're in elmhurst they're all over the place go to fry the coop.com try the hot chicken had someone challenge me today to try the uh, little insanity eh. I'm not ready for that yet. Maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll say maybe I'll take a step up from the hot and go with uh, the crazy, but I'm not quite ready to burn my face off yet. But uh, just go there, try the hot chicken, the Nashville fried chicken sandwich, the uh, donut fried chicken sandwich, just the tenders. Everything at Fry the Coop is great. And uh, our soap partners at Dr. Squatch Soap Company, head to drsquatch.com, enter promo code MADHOUSE to save on your order. Get yourself some all-natural made-in-the-USA soaps. They have a new limited-edition batch the Area 51 brick and the Mars bar, uh, they're selling those soaps together. They're limited release. Uh, very excited about getting those in a couple days. So DrSquatch.com, promo code MADHOUSE. James, I will let you do the honors and make your official Blackhawks Golden Knights series prediction first. I'm going to say series length and then MVP for each team. Okay, so I know this is a Blackhawks-centric podcast. I know that you and I, for very selfish reasons, both as fans and podcasters, want the Blackhawks to pull off this upset and advance to the next round of the playoffs. I, unfortunately, think that the Blackhawks will give Vegas pretty good fights, but I also think that ultimately Vegas's depth and the quality of their starting goaltending ultimately will prove to be the difference. I am going to go with the Vegas Golden Knights in six games. I'm going to say that the MVP for the Blackhawks will be 
Dominic Kubalik. I think that he's going to find some sp soft spots in that defense. I think he's going to really activate himself, and he's going to have a solid offensive series. I For the Vegas Golden Knights, I am going to go with a guy that you mentioned earlier. I feel like it's a pretty safe pick. I'm going to go with Mark Stone for their MVP. I, just, I think the Blackhawks are going to be so hell-bent on trying to stop so many Vegas lines. I feel like he's going to end up having a really strong series. I, I also would say that fans should keep an eye on Shea Theodore. That's a guy that can really hurt you from the blue line for the Golden Knights. So those are my MVP picks. That's my series pick. And I say on all counts, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope the Blackhawks can do this. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, James and I have a very vested interest in Blackhawks success, but I, too, am going to pick the Golden Knights in six games. My series MVP for the Blackhawks, a little bit of a surprise pick here. But, you know, YOLO, I'm going to say Alex Dabrinkit bounces back and has an impact on this on this series. I think the fact that they were able to get through the first series with him being more of a goat than a hero uh, might light a, light a fire under his ass a little bit. And I think we're going to see a little more from Alex Dabrinkit in this series. My MVP for the Golden Knights, you mentioned him yourself, Shea Theodore, one of the best young defensemen in hockey, 25 years old. Not quite a household name just yet, but I feel like this playoffs is where he could really make his mark. Shea Theodore is a really, really solid defenseman. And while he might not do it, you know, lighting up the score sheet, he can do that too. But in this series, just look for him to provide solid defense at both ends, offensively and defensively. He's a difference maker. He's a game changer. Uh, so Shea Theodore is my pick for MVP for the Golden Knights. But it's going to be a fun series. It's going to be exciting. I think, if again, my expectation is when you're going to want to throw something at your TV, it's going to be the Golden Knights in the Hawks zone for extended periods of time, maybe changing lines on the fly and keeping the puck. Ugh. We're going to see that a few times during the series. Expect that because that's just the sort of depth and talent that, that Vegas has. Yeah, I unfortunately think you're right. I think we're probably going to see that more than we want to. And I kind of wish that maybe at times we were doing hot mic broadcasts during these games because you and I could just sit there and like yell and just like bang our heads on the desk and stuff. And I'm sure all of our listeners would find that very entertaining. But again, I'm going to say I think the Blackhawks are going to make this a competitive series. I don't see this being a sweep. I think that these guys have too much pride and they've shown too much during this uh, playoff and play in run so far to allow that to happen. But it's going to be really hard for any team to beat Vegas. I would say they're easily one of the top three or four teams in the NHL. And I'm really I'm, – I'm looking forward, honestly, to seeing how guys like Kirby Doc and Dominic Kubelik and Adam Boquist stack up against a team like this because I think this experience is going to be invaluable to guys like that. By the way, you mentioned Hot Mike. We're going to be on after the game tonight on the Hot Mike app. Download the Hot Mike app at your app store, H-O-T. MIC. When you sign up, it's going to ask you for a code. Enter promo code MADHOUSE and join us as soon as the final horn sounds. James and I will be right there on your screen talking to you. You can interact in the chat. You can fill up the tip jar, whatever you're in the mood to do, but come join us after the game. We're going to do our best to do it after every game throughout this series, uh, Mother Nature allowing. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks for listening. On behalf of my partner, James Naveau, I'm Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll talk to you tonight after the game. Be well, be safe, take care of each other, and go Hawks. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop.
In a noisy, stressful world, quiet is the most valuable commodity. And the cabin of every Lincoln vehicle is designed with this principle in mind. Should you desire a little more melody, our available Revel Audio system will not disappoint. The very same engineering that makes for a whisper-quiet interior provides a studio-like setting in which to rock out to your music, finding harmony all around you. That's the power of sanctuary. And that's Lincoln. Revel and the Revel logo are trademarks of Harman International Industries, registered in the United States and other countries. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.